Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to McKnight Tonight. I can honestly say I have no idea what will happen when I talk to my special guest in just a moment. Will we see her shy side, the side that gets a little embarrassed talking about herself? Will we see her outrageous side, the side that tells it like it is, even in a court of law? Or will we see her insecure side, the side that's been fighting for acceptance while trying to live her life outside of society's so-called norms? And how do you even describe Carlotta in a few short sentences? Showgirl, comedian, trailblazer, all of those labels are certainly true. But there's so much more to the woman I consider to be one of the few truly genuine people in the business. I also consider her to be a dear friend. Carlotta, welcome to McKnight Tonight. Hi, isn't this... <laughs> I think this is really funny. <laughs> and why is it funny? I just think it's really funny. <laughs> that I'm going to grow are you, you? Are you the new Stan Sabatico? I am, I am, absolutely. But anyway, we've got the champers, cheers, so here's cheers. Cheers, Do it over a champagne. Oh, cheers, let's go for it. Let's cut some throats. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, you know, when we speak on the phone... I always forget to call you Carol and I call you Carlotta. Does lot that bother of, you? Look, do you know what? I really don't know. I've never liked the name Carlotta. I was given that name by a man called Lee Gordon, mm-hmm. which a lot of his, his passed into history. But Lee Gordon was one of those men that um, one of the first show business um, Mongols if you, is that moguls, the right? Yeah, moguls. Yeah. Moguls said that's a Carlotta-ism. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good at those. Um, and he he was the first man to uh, – he'd bring big artists from overseas mm. and the old sta- stadium down there at Rushcutters Bay, which was a boxing ring. Yeah. So it was the first round when you think of it, <laughs> entertain- yeah, right. round entertainment, because all they did was – Pull the ropes down off the uh, off the um, boxing ring. That was the stage. So you were literally just performing on a boxing ring. Yeah, they were performing on a boxing ring, like <laughs> Betty Hutton, you know, a wonderful old fifties actress who was a. Oh, so this is before ta- you. Oh, this is before okay. me, yeah. and uh, he brought out uh, wonderful American acts, and that's where he used to put them. Right, and uh, then of course, because boxing was very big and wrestling. And that was a big uh, stadium down there at Rushcutters Bay. It's gone now, of course, but uh, like most things. But uh, but it's interesting you don't like the name that has made you famous. Well, I, 
I don't know whether I don't like the name or I don't like her. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, I've, don't you like as that I've got I got old about I think she's um I think she's a bit uh, conceited. I think she's a bitch. <laughs> so do you see yourself as two very different people, most, Carol and Carlotta? Yes, I do. And a lot of people, uh, my close friends who know me really well, yeah. do see the difference because they say to me, you're not like Carlotta, are you? Well, that's stage? the point I made in my intro, that i sitting down with you and, and we've become close yeah. and I really don't know the person I'm going to get today because you can be so yeah. shy as a person, and and hate the fame and all that kind of stuff. But then when you're Carlotta, bring it on, doll, screw them, fuck them, basically. Yeah, well, you know, I never basically sat down and thought about it until Mm. I got older. I don't know whether it came because of my half-ugly bringing up as a child, Mm. Which uh, you know was that there was abuse and there was there were great so times. So when you say abuse, uh, what kind of abuse are we talking? I about? had a very abusive uh, stepfather. Was smacking or was it other kind? Was it, it was, sexual? It was both. Right, and I got blasted because he got married just and uh, uh, again after my he left my mother, mm. and I went through all that procedure of. Uh, Let's go back. I had two mothers, right? Yeah. I was born in... Hazel 19... was Yeah, I was born in 1943. Yeah. I was born in Crown Street Women's Hospital, so that was before the war had ended. A lot of women had a lot of babies out of wedlock. I never knew my father. I still don't know who my so father is So your mum had a today. baby out of wedlock? Yes. So I was illegitimate because right. I found out years later when I got my, pa- uh, when I got my birth certificate and... Um, and I only really got my birth certificate because I was going overseas. Right. And I had to get a passport. And that's when I found out I was illegitimate because she never – she used to always say to me – and David, I, w- I was raised by my Auntie Hazel till I was 11. Then my mother took me away from Auntie Hazel. Because she had your stepdad. Because she married my stepfather. Yeah. And then I only stayed with my mother from 11 till 15. I left home. I just turned 15. And I ran away from home and I found King's Cross. Well, that's another story as well. But Well, we'll get to all that because yeah. there's so much. I, I actually have no idea how we're going to get through your so, life because it's amazing. Well, there's a lot of bloody years, love. I'm 75 <laughs> this year. <laughs> Certainly true. But, um, but that's interesting because uh, obviously your dad, your stepfather in the, in the telly movie on, on your life was depicted as a mean man. But well, I made them take the a lot of the abuse out. I just said, make him hard. Right. Because, and why was that? Well, I had a, I did have respect for the uh, people, uh, the his new family at that time, right? Uh, who were with him right up to his death. So his their, their kids, probably you know that was their father. Yeah. He may not have been as abusive to them. Yeah. So I just had respect out of that. That's why I had it pulled out of the movie. And not only that, we'd been going through with it with the Catholic Church, all these other institutions, and this was in when that movie was being made. All that was in in front, you know, newspapers. But this is everything. part of your story. And, and, it's an and el- I just it's thought an we've been overloaded with this, so I just said, make him a hard bastard. Right. And that's what they did. And I, out of respect, that's the reason I did it. It's an interesting thing, though, isn't it, when... And, and I, I think you would have experienced this throughout um, your life. 
this idea of the heterosexual man and the hard man, and mm. yet there do seem to be these gay tendencies that, you know, whether uh, your stepdad, you know, abuse, sexually abusing you or other heterosexual men going to clubs Look, there was and beats. And... There was a lot of those butcher men in, in, in Balmain when I was growing up that dabbled. Yeah. You know what I mean? They dabbled. And I could never, uh, I could, I could never put my finger on it. So um, I wasn't, the t- I'm not the type of person to be a vindictive person. No. I was fortunate that I came through it strong. And I think where the strength came from, I went through it, I had enough, I looked after myself from 15, mm. uh, absolutely petrified, this before I even went into show business. I was working as an a artist at David Jones. Yep. It was my first job. And um, Was that an era of discovery, though? When you, when you were 15, did you really know... In a way, what you are. I mean, who? At yeah, I knew. Knows I knew. I, I knew. I had problems within myself. Right. But I didn't have that. I didn't have that. Like, I'm. I feel fabulous for gays today. It's I was a about lot to easier. Ask that. It's all so much easier for them. It's so much easier. In my time, it was frightening. Yeah. You were scared. Yeah, I knew there was something wrong. But you were absolutely petrified you, you and were, you very much closeted it. Yesterday at lunch you were telling me how um, there would be these drag parties, I guess for want of a better term, where um, the people who had that or, or wanted to experiment with well, dressing in drag would go and gather at these parties. That's right. And the, the thing was about... So you've got to remember in the early days before, like our first drag show was in a place called the Ranch Loss in the Cross. This was before Lay Girls. Lee Gordon, as I referred to as before, mm. he started it because he'd seen the show in Paris, which was called The Carousel, yep. and he thought, I'll do it in Australia. And I just happened to meet him at a party one night and he said, you'd look fantastic in drag. And at that time I was fighting my sexuality yep. and I thought, well, here's an outlet that I can... Use it, and that's how it started. I'll get to like once I got into the frock, that was it. <laughs> I'll get to like girls in a moment because there's a lot to talk about there. But these parties fascinate me because I loved the story no, you told yesterday yeah, when the police would raid. After you've poured another champagne in <laughs> Well, I'll just top up that glass already. <laughs> no, no. And Carlotta had a big night last night, can I just point out. Oh. So this is a bit of a hair of the dog for you, isn't it? This it morning? is a bit of hair of the dog. But anyway, it's good company. Look, <laughs> what I see, look, it was true. We used to go to these parties that were called at Wiley Hall. It was an old scout hall, I think, in, um, um, oh, out there past Newtown there. There was a brickworks there. Yep. And, of course, the police used to raid in those days, like anyone dressed as a woman, you know, they were like um, Robert Helpman from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. They collected drag queens in nets, not kids. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm laughing, but it's, it's because yeah, it's but terrific it was. to think about. Um, anyway, so we'd always have this system where they'd set off a siren and, off we, and we'd race to the brickworks out the back and getting undressed because we always had our bag with our boys' clothes and that in it. Yes. And we'd start to get changed and we'd find bits of glass to scrape our nail polish off. <laughs> and then, but the funny part about it was... So everyone's was, running. Yeah, everyone's running and hiding in these big ovens at the brickworks. But what was funny about it was when you came,
came, if the police did catch you down there, you'd come out, they put the light on you, you look like sooty because you had all this, all this soot from the arms <laughs> over your hands and your face. Uh, it's it's funny to, to reflect on that and, and put it in that context, but it must have been a scary time because... You you must have felt like you couldn't be true to yourself in a way because you had to hide it. You constantly had to run from the law. That must well, have been really no, difficult. No, it was tough. It was tough. It was, and I think that that toughness made me into a tough person. Mm. Um, see, yeah, but is Carlotta tough or is Carol tough? That's a very, very I think it's, but they're both tough. Different ways. Yes, completely different ways. You know, one the the Carlotta uh, doesn't take many fools in. No, no, she's a hard bitch. Mm-hmm. The Car- I love her. The Carl the Carol, she's got she lets people ride over a bit. Is that right? Mm. I'm bit I'm too softy. I always said, and I'm a bit of a sucker. You know, I just I think they should put on my tombstone. Sucker. Well, there, there is a there is a genuine kindness to you. Um, when I was running Studio Ten, and you were a a, a monthly guest at the minimum, you know, you mm. and I had a deal where um, you would appear at least monthly, and I would fly you down, but you would stay at Polly's place. You know, That's like right, you yeah. you wouldn't you would make sure I didn't have to pay accommodation because yeah. things were always tight at Studio 10 and yeah. we were trying to do this big essentially variety yeah. That's show right. on That's a right. on a pauper's budget. Yeah. But you would But I understood that, but a lot of people and the only reason I understood that because I've always had to mm. work on a budget. Yeah. Even with my shows. But you are the kind of performer that really if you would push back um that that was because of your kindness that that happened. Um, you because you absolutely should have been put up. You you brought value to that show, and I think sometimes you don't understand the value you bring yeah. to to a show or to a performance. Or look, I appreciate that, but you know what that cho- that show did for me too. Don't forget, it kept my name out there. Because yeah. don't forget, I was in my what sixties when I was started that show. Mm. Early sixties. I don't know how many years have I done it. Five. Five years or something. Yeah, it was. Well, it's coming up to its fifth. I came in the first year you'd done it. Yeah, and I just, uh, I always thought, and thank you. It. it, You don't have to thank me. It was a no-brainer. This is probably the Carol speaking. It it did a lot for her, Carlotta. Yeah, because I was doing my one-woman shows, and it put bums on seats, and I'm still doing it today. And I'm, you know, I'm about to go to Noosa and I'm sold out already. Well, I, I love that. But it's funny. You came on to promote the telly movie and Sarah Harris said to me, yeah. oh, we should get Carlotta on. We, and we got you on as a panellist and it was fantastic. And it was Sarah who said to me. Um, and well, I always you, thought it was Ita. Oh, oh, Ita was part of that as well. A- absolutely. Ita is a big support of yours, a supporter yeah. of yours. Um, but it was certainly Sarah who tapped me on the shoulder and said, Rob, book Carlotta. Yeah. And I went, oh, yeah, of course, fantastic. Because, you know, I was so ra- wrapped up in the day-to-day sometimes, I needed Ita and Sarah yeah, to say, yeah. psst, psst, what about this, you know? Yeah. And and they were always huge supporters of yours. Yeah. And, and, and Ita especially yeah. really went out of her way to make sure that you got um, – you know, if she was going away, what about Carlotta? You know, put Carol on. Um, absolutely a big supporter. Yeah, it's a shame. Uh, but, you know, that look, there's 
I thought that I, I love that show, but you know, I, I got a bit. Um, I can say it now because, uh, you know, you take the author out of something, you can't sell that book cover. <laughs> I'm well, sorry, but yeah, I've got to congratulate you on what you did with that show. Well, thank and I you. don't mind. I don't. I don't get involved. You know that with dramas no. and that behind the scene and all that. But I'm. I think I'm a very good judge of what you see. Well. I appreciate that. Uh, this isn't about me, though. No, so. I know it's not about you, but I wanted to say it. Anyway, it's down in history now. I'll never work at Channel 10 again. <laughs> Neither will I, so I've that's had okay. an, I've had another offer anyway. <laughs> yes, you have, and and that's the that's the thing I love, and I, I love the fact that uh, your talent is much bigger than that, and, and I understand that you were saying Studio 10 was doing you a favour. That is always a two-way street. Having you on the show and part mm. of that family um, was certainly beneficial to Studio mm. 10 as it was to mm. you. So don't ever think they were doing you favours. I was always so pleased. And, you know, I think you said to me one day, Rob, if you need me to, I'll, I'll do a couple of appearances for free. You know, like yeah. you were always so generous. And I Yeah, but that's the, that's the carol in me. See, that's mm. I know because I've struggled myself when I had my own big show with the girls mm. and I had to, you know, get their money. You know, they never went without me not paying. When them. you say the girls, was this well, the one around a, Australia? Yeah, this is the one around like a Priscilla type show. Yeah. It was Carl Otter and her beautiful boys, and I made sure that they got paid every week. So I I knew what the struggles were because I'd have to cut back on a few other things. Yeah, you know what I mean. I, but I, I took the cuts. They didn't. Yeah, they didn't. That speaks volumes about your character, I think. Well, it's I'm, I'm not look. It, it's something you have to do. And if you can't do it, you shouldn't be in that sort of business. I, I couldn't agree more with that. Um, look, you know, talking about entertainment, the entertainment industry, we've all got those tall tales we tell, you know, like over a couple of glasses of champagne, mm. you know, the story when we're with a few mates that we tell. What's one of your most favourite stories that you tell? Something that's happened along your career or life? Oh, God, where do we start? I, I have no <laughs> idea. I, I probably should have forewarned you about this question. <laughs> what year do you want to go down? <laughs> uh, you know, what's when, when you think, you know, if, if you were like met someone that you, re, you you liked for the first time and you wanted to impress them with one of your funniest stories, what is it? Oh, no, you're just trying to get out of me who I've slept with. Oh, we're coming. <laughs> don't worry, Dale, we'll get, we'll get to that. So it doesn't need to be that story. <laughs> No, I, look, I've had some funny experiences. You know, I remember years ago when we used to, you know, see, when we first started at Lay Girls, you had to go to work dressed in boys' clothes. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, you couldn't walk on the no, street. No, no, the strangest thing was you could have all the makeup on in the world and your hair all done or your wigs on, but as long as you had... And yet there was no written law. Yeah, but what were you about it to say? It was called offensive behaviour yeah. if you got caught mm-hmm. dressed in a, in a frock right. on the street. And I got arrested and that's where that joke all came from. The judge, so this is where you were in front of the judge yeah, and what did you say? Yeah, in front of the say? judge and I said, I said, what's the charge? He said offensive behaviour. And I said, well, you've got a wig and a robe on. And he just pissed himself <laughs> laughing, came down with that thing and said, case dismissed. So was it as fast as it so was then in the we, movie? It was as fast as it was in the movie and we were allowed to go to work in drag. So, but you were And about- no one can dispute that because that's what happened. Yeah. So after that court case, did you feel more confident walking in public in women's clothes? Oh, God, yes, yeah. So that was it from then? Yeah, that was it. 
And was that the transition to when you started essentially identifying as a woman? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, most definitely. I was more, more, more comfortable, more uh, – it was like – I tell you what, it was like having a cross between having a bad baked dinner and a good baked dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but that court case empowered you. Yeah, very much so. That's fabulous. When you're on stage, what is it like – and I will reference Studio 10 a bit because that's mm-hmm. where we've worked together. But when we did the Blacktown live show, um, you were part of that – and when you went, walked onto stage, it was a revelation for me because I'd never seen you no, no, on stage in person. And the way you owned it, the way the audience responded to you, I was genuinely flabbergasted. I always assumed you'd be good and, you know, like I expected that. But this was beyond good. This was exceptional. And there was a, such a presence about you on that stage. Where does that confidence come from? And what's the feeling you get when you're on stage you know i think that confidence came from uh i've thought about it now in i'm in my 70s and i think you know because i've been asked that question a lot Mm -hmm. and i thought where does it come from and i think it comes across where yes you have to be a little bit conceited and two i did my homework Mm. i watched a lot of great entertainers and I was brought up with a lot of great entertainers. You see, I used to be backstage. Yes. Doing when Shirley Bassey was on. Right. Oh, yes, I used to do some of the uh, Carmen McRae, uh, these acts, Sammy Davis Jr. I'd go and watch Ricky May. I'd go and watch. There was a presence about them, and I studied it, and I just picked up on little things. I picked up on. Uh, I thought, they come out and there's no nerves. Mm-hmm. Now, I never get nervous now. Never on stage. I How go do you out. teach yourself not to be nervous? Though? I do. Uh, like, I'll, I'll be backstage. I just did the Hayes Theatre and it was a great... I was absolutely pooping my knickers because, <laughs> you know, I thought I'm in real theatre. Yeah. You know, even though it's... Uh, <laughs> It could be done up a bit. But anyway, <laughs> you, know, you know me, I speak frankly. I lo- which anyway, is what I love about you. And I just, you know, I went out stage and I thought, I think my opening line was, theatre darlings, I finally <laughs> made it, you know. <laughs> From the back streets of King's Cross and here I am, theatre darling, <laughs> legit. <laughs> and I just, um, I just thought, you, you, you've, you've got that confidence over the years. It's something you get better at and better at. And I just, I come out on stage and I, I don't have that. I know a lot of people, they are so nervous before they go on. Mm. You know, they're like blivering idiots. They're yeah. shaking, you know, like. But as soon as that spotlight hits them, they turn into this total entertainer. Whereas I'm the opposite. And I'm not saying I'm the only one. There's probably a lot like me. But it doesn't faze me. Because I got that attitude, if they don't like me, piss off. <laughs> <laughs> and is that a Carlotta confidence? How does Carol feel about that? Uh, she doesn't like it at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. What made you the standout at Les Girls? It were, there were a lot of people there, but you became the headline act rather quickly, I, 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 I think. What, what was it about you that made you the standout? I don't know. I don't know whether, of course, the people thought I was attractive uh, more so than I, I don't know. Look, I really can't put my finger in it. You have to ask the public that because I was very appreciative 
mind you. Well, and very bloody happy, I can assure you. I'm not. Bu- I wouldn't bullshit about that. I was very happy that, you know, that I was so accepted like that. But you're probably right. Um, there was. It, you were a knockout. There was a lot of jealousy too. I had of to course. put up with a lot of jealousy and a lot of. But I overrode that, you know, because I. You don't read. If you read your own criticisms. Right? Yeah. You're not going to go far. No. I so can, don't get caught up no, in the No, no, I say to people who are on Facebook and they get these things thrown at them, I said, you don't read them. Mm. You block them. Mm. Because we're here for a short time, not a long time. Let me, um, I want to show you something. That's you, right? That's from the Glittering Mile. That is from the Glittering Mile. What do you think when you see that young girl? What do I think? Yeah. What do you think when you see her? <sighs> um. I've had happier times. That was a struggle. Mm-hmm. That was a struggle for the simple reason we were really treated like um, I heard an expression once younger like a bastardised act and I couldn't put my finger on it till years later and they looked upon us as freaks in those days. When I think of it now, or the, the both they were in there for the buck. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, I think only one person came out of that who really saw the way to make a, a lot of money, and she did. And that was Simone Troy, right? And uh, Monix and John, they really uh, hit. I didn't have the business sense in those days to see that. It's interesting. Just showing that footage, I see a real change in you. Mm. A, a sadness. They what well, it was. I didn't. I didn't like that period because I fought for a long time, and I ended up bucking the system like I did when I had the sex change. I bucked that system. Yeah. They're not using that antiquated system anymore. Yeah. And I don't care what anyone says. It was after I'd done that, they stopped doing those things at uh, the hospitals. Why? Because it was a. Bu- they were treating us like idiots, like freaks. Yeah. You know, putting wires on our heads and showing us dirty pictures to see if we got aroused. Right. So that was all before the actual operation. They were doing psychological tests. Yes, absolutely (laughs) ludicrous. And then having to walk in a room and put a pair of high heels and walk past a priest, uh, uh, a lawyer, uh, a few psychiatrists and doctors to see if you could walk in high heels. Hmm. You, you yeah, hadn't taken you know, off a pair of high heels in so long. It was experimental <laughs> for them too. Yeah, absolutely. And I just threw the shoes at the table and I said, F you lot. I said, I'll go to London and have it done. Right. But they allowed it. Hmm. I'm a bit loath to show this now, but I, I, I would like to because I've got one of the first interviews you did it's from the glittering mile again and i think it's your actual first tv appearance yes it is my first tv appearance and i was saying i'll always be a hairdresser (laughs) 
Yeah, you I know, do, I you, know. You do say something like that, but there's there's a there's a little bit more. Let's just have a look at um, what I've got here. Hello, what, what is your real name? My real name, Ricky Byrell. Having a bit of fun. Now, working as a feline personator um, at the club, do you have much, ever have much, any trouble with the audience? No. As I said before in Sydney, oh, we've had no trouble whatsoever here. Mm. I mean, you might get somebody who might be a bit drunk in the audience and they might fling off. Do you notice that, that is really not Carlotta talking? No. That became Carlotta. That is Carol, spe- that is Carol speaking. Is that right? Yes. Huh. And you know what? Huh. You know what? That by not looking at it and listening to it, I picked up on that then. That's interesting. That's Carol speaking. I noticed that's you, not you who look at became. Sc- that's not who became Carlotta. Huh. Why wouldn't you look at the screen then? Because I wasn't sure. I didn't really want to go into show business. Yeah. Why? I would have loved to have gone into something else, but just still been a woman. So you would have been happy just having that a life as a That was our crutch. Yeah. We only had that to fall back on. Yeah. We couldn't go and get a job in a, as a chemist or, you know, go, go, uh, you know, go and get a job, uh, a female job behind a desk or anything like that in those days. Mm. So that's Carol speaking there. That's not, that's not who I became. There's a cheekiness in that clip, though, because... You won't give your real name. You, you know, you, you have a bit of fun with that. And um, there's a bit more in the interview where you say, you talk about the fact you went down to Melbourne and you did that. It was a real success. You left it a week later. They closed up shop. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that was the conceit coming out then. That was the Carlotta part, yes. do you think? That was the Carlotta growing inside <laughs> me. <laughs> I did love that quote. That was a Carlotta creating inside me, I think. Um, but it's very interesting that I picked up on that because I didn't look at it. Why wouldn't you look at it? I don't like it. <laughs> is that because, um, is that an embarrassment? Is, is it because I, you feel like no, you came no, so far? You know far? what, to be quite honest, I don't like watching myself on screen. Okay. You were a beautiful young lady. But I don't like watching it. I just never have. So, so... It's interesting from from a psychology point of view that you are this big performer, but you almost hate the fame aspect of it and the photos that go along with that. And I'm starting to see the difference between Carlotta and Carol. Yeah, probably. I just I don't know why. I just I, I look. I can't put my finger on it, Rob. I just don't know why I'm not that into. Um, I think it's because, I don't know whether it's because of that, I still have a lot of problems with certain people in my life that have bagged me and still bag me today. People in your personal life? Yeah, it's just who I thought were so-called friends. And maybe I'm a bit... uh, See, I like to please everyone because, you know, I just – I'm that type of person. I just um, – I could understand if you could legitimise the the critic but there's no no reasoning. All I can put it down to – and someone agreed with me one day and I said, you know, I'd had enough 
and it only happened a few, actually about six months ago, and I'd had enough and I just went, no, no more. It was put down to, and I'd hate to be a person like that, jealousy. So someone, a friend of yours was jealous? No, there's a few couple, there's a few, who I thought were my friends. But it just boils down to just pure jealousy. Were these people who knew you before you became Carlotta or were they people you met through... Shane, they've known me all my life through being Carlotta. But not not when you were Richard? Our couple have. See, because obviously... The entertainment industry can be someone very hit it on the button. Someone hit it on the button, and I, I don't. I know, I know she won't mind me saying yeah. it. Prue McSween, yeah, a good friend a great, of yours, yeah, good friend. And she said, "Carol, they are jealous of what you've become, mm. and that's all you can boil it down. What other reason would they be like that?" Yeah. So, so, and it's sad because I've never done anything really. No, you are actually a beautiful person. What What are they saying? What What has led to this? Split in the friendship. Obviously jealousy, but what have you found out? It's no, I'm still friends, right. don't get me wrong, but it's me that I will not go overboard anymore with them. Understand. I will not. But but what was it? Was it them bagging you about your career or no, you as a they, person? They, they bag me behind my back Yeah, and they'll have sort of cutting remarks Sometimes if I'm talking about something. Right. And they'll, you know, try to cut me down. But they're mad if they take me on. <laughs> <laughs> That's I committing suicide. I that more. That's committing suicide. <laughs> Look, um, I'm going to play uh, another... But it hurts. Co- yeah, of course. But from my own point of view, we develop friends... Um, throughout our life and throughout our career and people we rely on. And sometimes it's when the chips are down that you actually realise who the, who the real friends mm. are. You know, when I was sacked, you were one of the first people to reach out to me just to make sure I was okay. Well, of course, what have you ever done to me? But not Except everyone. bark at me a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> Say, will you shut, talk, shut up talking, Carol, when they're... <laughs> I'm trying to do a commercial. <laughs> Remember a... I had a bad habit of talking over everyone? <laughs> yes, you did. And I don't think I gave Joey's training, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> so when we were doing the show, uh, Carol would have an earpieces like all the presenters and I would wind up. I, I, yeah. I, I never stuck to time. I always liked to let a conversation go, but sometimes no, I No, but you feel... were great. You were blunt with me. You would say, shut up. Only because I had to be, in fairness. Um, sometimes sometimes Sarah would start reading the next intro and you go, but uh, what about that? And I'm like, Carl. We, well, actually, I would have said Carlotta. Yeah. Carlotta, move the bloody hell on. <laughs> That's certainly true, 100%. But you, but you taught me a lot because, you know, really? I didn't know which camera to look at because I hadn't done it since uh, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. And it was a completely different style, although mm. we're in a panel. But we had a camera there, yeah. a camera there, and a camera there, like three cameras. The, there were usually five cameras on that yeah. panel, yeah? Yeah, and in those days, you looked at the one with the red light on the top. Yeah. Well, these ones don't have red lights on it. I'd never. I'd be looking at the one on the right. <laughs> I mean, I could be looking at someone in Alice Springs and someone in Sydney's watching me. Maybe they did have a red light. Maybe the sight's gone a bit. <laughs> <laughs> They're cutting back that much. <laughs> um. 
I want to go back to that Glittering Mile interview just for one last second. Because in that interview, you were asked whether you would walk around in women's clothing all the time if it wasn't against the law. So this is before mm. your court case. Have a listen to what you said. Well, that's a hard question. Uh, actually, at the moment, no. I mean, um, let's say that I was born a boy and I... That's the way it is. I mean, I'm doing this as a job, no other thing. And that was correct in those days. We were doing it as a job. Yeah, but did you feel that I didn't know you had to hide behind the job aspect of I it? I did have to ch- hide behind it. That's what I said. That was a wall. That was yeah. our crutch. Yeah. That was our crutch. And not. it was just shortly after that interview that I started doing the, um, the hormone replacement things and that with the uh, hospital in Sydney. We're going to take a very quick break as our interview with Carlotta continues where she'll tell me about the real reason she left Studio 10 and the affair she had with one of the most famous faces on Australian television. McKnight Tonight, we'll be right back. These are real confessions. Saying I'd wanted to kill my mother since I was eight years old. From real serial killers. We've just got to be violent to Best-selling true crime author Amanda Howlett doesn't just talk about their crimes. She talks directly to them. It's all getting a bit much, really. It's the podcast that goes where others fear to tread. Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. Subscribe now in your favourite podcast feed. You're listening to McKnight Tonight, and we're talking to the one and only Carlotta. Let's go back to that point in time where you're about to get the operation. What was the feeling you had knowing that this was the choice you were going to make to get that sex change? I was excited because I thought, I don't like getting out of, you know, like today I say, I get out of bed, I get out of the bath, and I said, I look in the mirror, and it's a, it's a, it's a, um, um, a dugong with lipstick. <laughs> but in those days, I'd get out of the bath and look in the mirror and I, I didn't like what I saw. So I changed it. Yeah. And I went and Is had the full change. The yeah, operation. because I knew that. And, you know, when I did have the change, it was like, it was like I was reborn because I didn't do it for any sexual reasons. Mm. I did it for my own peace of mind. Do you think having the sex change added to your fame and made you a household name? Well, well, I I would say that um, uh, it did not uh, not help mm. because you know the headlines in the paper: Balmain boy becomes beauty. My mother fell off the stool of the RSL because I'd never ever told her. Oh no! Is that how she discovered? Yeah, that's how she discovered it. She's down the RSL, and of course, make the Carlotta made a joke out of it. Yeah, yeah, you know, she didn't fall off the stool, but you know, she was at the RSL, and someone did. Is this? Is this your boy? Is this your boy? Oh, that would have been hard. Although your mum and my auntie Hazel, who I adored, who was mm. on This Is Your Life in the wheelchair, she died three months after that, unfortunately. Who she used to come to my shows and she'd come running backstage, and say, "Where's my Ricky?" Where's my Ricky? She never accepted it, did no, she? No, she never accepted it. She, uh, no, she sort of accepted it. She said, uh, she said, you know, if, you, if I were able to adopt you, you would have been playing football for Balmain. <laughs> <laughs> I've got her, a clip of her from This Is Your Life. Let's have a listen. Yeah. Hazel, it was very good of you to take then Richard into your house, wasn't it? 
Oh, I loved him, so why, why shouldn't I take him into the house? Just a lot of kids she used together. She to give me the best wax. Oh, <laughs> she chased me around because we had chooks. And she chased me around with the, the chooks and the strap because I was a bit of a naughty boy in those days, wasn't I? Oh. But I loved this woman to death. And Jacqueline. She was like my sister. Well, that, Jacqueline, uh, uh, you accepted Richard yes. as a brother, didn't you? Oh, definitely, yes. It was a bit of a mixed-up family anyway. And so, <laughs> wasn't it? What do you accept me as now? <laughs> well, it, it takes a while, but probably a sister. <laughs> I love that. I've never heard that. Oh, really? I loved it because I had a DVD of it, mm. I, a, a DVD, you know, when they first yeah. came out, and someone knocked it off, and I've never had a copy of it since. Oh, there's, there's clips on YouTube. I'll make sure I send them to I've you. I've never had and to hear Annie Hazel's voice. That's beautiful. I just oh. brought a tear to my eye. Oh. Because I adored that woman. She's in my bedroom on the wall, her and, and Jacqueline. Uh, do you understand, obviously, her being from a different generation, it was hard for her to accept you had become oh, a woman? Oh, of course, of course. You know, but, we were brought up tough kids and I yeah. thought three of the boys that I grew up with and Jacqueline and June, I thought they were my brothers and sisters. Yeah. And do they, did they all accept And my was... mother used to only come over once a month yeah. and then, then I found out years later it was to pay Annie Hazel, give her money for, for looking, looking after, after me. Actually, we've, I'll go to your mum in a moment because there's a lot to your mum. But um, do you feel that the brothers and sisters accepted you with the changes you made, or was there because they were from Balmain and working class? Well, don't forget there was a big there was a big break when I finally left them, and mm. there was a big break. I never really saw them again until I was about twenty one. So they were all cut out. So from eleven, cut to out it, from I was cut out, out completely from them. It's it's interesting, your mum. Um, you told me something yesterday that surprised me because I've obviously watched the telly movie, but there was a lot more to her than probably what My was My mother was a party girl and there was no other reason about it. And, mm. you know, that's the way I look back at it. My mother, my mother um, I respect that she clothed, fed me and did what, but she would never hug me. Why? And I just, I don't think she was the type of woman, I don't think she should have had kids. Yeah. And that's, you know, I was illegitimate. I was about to say. You know, I was I was a war baby. I was born in 43 and I was illegitimate. And By war baby, what does that mean? Well, I was born in 43. The war finished in 1945. I know you're a young baby. But... I, I understand <laughs> that, but does that mean you think your father was... Uh, was visiting. I, well, I don't know. He could have been an American sailor. He that, could have that's been a, my question. I've never, because my mother always said, I used to have big fights with her. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know who my father was. And and other people used to guess who my father was. You're right. And I just, um, I, all I know, he could have been a Yank sailor. Didn't you say she also might as have As long had... as he wasn't Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Then I'd get worried, That'd but be an then again, story. then again, I've got hair. <laughs> Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com/acast. And up to 25% off outdoor. 
That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Um, didn't you say your mum had a few seedy connections to the underworld? Yeah, she used to hang well, you know, Balmain was a breeding ground for uh, people like Lenny McPherson and all those types. Mm. And uh, she was a party girl. Mm. So you have fond memories of a kid where she'd bring boyfriends home and you'd get picked up and put on the lounge. Right. While they were... Because I used to sleep in the same bedroom as my mother. And that happened a lot? What I can remember. Mm. Don't forget I was, what, 11, 12. Um, Acceptance seems to be a big issue for you. It was something you talked about on Studio 10 during a discussion. I want to play you that clip. I've been fighting all my life to be accepted, you know, and I'm still fighting for it. And it's only places like, sorry, Studio 10 and Beauty of the Beast that give me the acceptance. Yeah, honey, we love you. And I tell you, I tell you, this government should hang their head in shame. Mm. Aren't we a democratic country? We're not going to do harm to anyone. We just want the same rights as you people. And I've had enough. Yeah. Yeah. I find it interesting that you don't feel accepted because during my time at Studio 10, I saw the way people across all different demographics loved you. You were accepted. And I even think about my dad, who's very working class, and he just loves you. Do you finally feel accepted? Um be quite honest now still to this day and i look i even I, with all your fame and i all think your it's success. i think it's because of my tough bringing up yeah. i think i i think it all stems back to i look i feel i feel so happy for gays today yeah i really do i think it's great you know there's no way that i was i was wanting that marriage thing I think that was all a big wank to me because really? le- well, have a look how many's got married since. Really, if you look at the statistics, I, I can't say I know the stats, but no. I like the idea people yeah. have choice. Well, I, no, it's uh, no, no. Don't get me wrong. I think it's great, but I didn't fight for that reason. Yeah. I fought for that reason that if when I die, my will is not going to be disputed because I leave it to a gay person. Yeah. You know, because this is what was happening. Right. And it was wrong. Of course. And, you know, my rights of, um, you know, all anything legal, that's the acceptance that I love mm. now. But that's what I was fighting for. That was the acceptance I was fighting for and I, I'm, I still fight for it today because there is still prejudice out there. Uh, uh, that's definitely true. And it was the wrong way we went about it with this vote. With the same-sex marriage yep. in, uh, in was, Australia? I think it was, was the passed. wrong way. It was a waste of bloody money. Do you mean because it was left up to the public to decide and it should have been by politicians? Or no, it wasn't. I think the public should have decided. Right, but, because we had a we had a plebiscite, but it yep. wasn't legally binding. The no. politicians still could have ignored the public That's will. exactly right. That's right. And that was the danger of it. And it did but lead to a lot of God, division. Yeah, it did lead to a lot of division. There's still a lot of division there. Yeah. And, you know, now that it's all blown over, there still is. Yeah. You know, you've all, look, you, you've got to – there's something about Australians. 
It's this tall poppy thing. You know, we've gone... Definitely. It's this tall poppy thing. Why is it that people are so jealous of people that have really made something of their lives? I take my hats off to them. You know, I have a person... I agree. I have a person who's in my business now. Oh, there were a lot of them thought I'd be so jealous... And, you know, that's caught in the act. Caught in the act. You know, she is a multi-talented kid. You know, she's more talented than I was at her age. Right. Now she's got her own show in London, Mm. TV show, and they got a shock because I put up on Facebook, oh, how you posted I am so thrilled. Mm. I am so excited. And I am. Mm. I'm genuinely excited that, you know, and I'm so proud of her. But I've got to say, knowing you, your attitude towards someone like that does not surprise me at all. In fact, I would have been surprised if you were jealous of her and, and putting her down. I would think, knowing you, anyone who knows you no, would No, but know. The, it's the ones, that, the ones that are surprised by it, you know, the, the ones that are surprised about and saying that I'm not, they are the ones that are jealous. Yeah, right. You know, this yes. is where we get back to uh, that jealous yes. thing. That, well, that makes sense. It makes because sense. Because they're looking from their own point of view. They're looking from their own point of view. And, you know, I feel sorry for those sort of people because they really don't have a life. <laughs> get off the planet. Yeah. <laughs> um. We're talking about acceptance, and you were deeply hurt by some comments Barry Humphreys made in 2016 in regards to Caitlyn Jenner. In an interview with The Telegraph, he called Jenner a mutilated man and a publicly publicity-seeking ratbag. I mean, I always find it mm. interesting when someone accuses another person of seeking publicity, especially in the case he was doing an interview seeking publicity. You know, you know what I mean? But those comments did affect you, and you spoke out about it again on Studio 10. He's just a stupid old man coming out saying things like that because mm. us transgenders, we went through hell. I was just about yes. to mention that. It's we a- went through hell. We didn't wake up one morning and say, yeah. yeah, this is it. I mean, for God's sake, look at me. A footballer's not going to hire me for his team. And I, you know, and I just had things wrong. My chromosomes were different. Mm. I was born that way. I used to say to my mother... You know, did you eat so many fairy cakes when you were pregnant with me? This is why I turned out. I got ridiculed at school. I got bullied. But I did something about it. Mm. I went and looked into it. I got done. I can stand in front of a mirror and go, this is me. I don't put a gender on myself. Mm. I'm Carlotta. And I've made a good name for myself in this country and stuffed them. Yeah. God, I was on a box that day, wasn't well, I? Well, <laughs> moments later, you actually broke down. His comments did affect you. Well, it did because I know Barry and, mm. you know, he's a very charming man and I just don't know whether he had too many scotches that day or whatever because that was the most ridiculous comment I'd ever heard in my life. This is a man because who makes he, his living dressing in drag. Yes, exactly right. And, you know, he should be kissing, the, he should be kissing drag queen's feet for what because i remember the day that he decided to be damenda really and he he seems to forget he used to get around he was a theater guy with this slouched hat down you know over his head like a well, very a, what was theater. that it was that very barry mckenzie hat actually right and i remember he said i've come up with an idea of a, a i remember the conversation distinctly about dressing as a woman and next minute dame edna picked up in barry mckenzie movie Right. You know, he was starting to do things on stage with it, but 
Uh, it, it I is very... distinctly remember. I mean, he should be the millions. I wish I'd have had his paycheck. <laughs> he, it, but it that does was, seem strange to me that that considering li- what he has built his career on. Yes, that's right because he, he's from that. He doesn't. He, look, he's a straight, a straight, Barry. You know, he's straight, straight, straight. Right. I don't think he totally understands what uh, Caitlyn Jenner, what he must have been going through as a man. Mm. You know. Uh, living that life for Living so that life. A famous athlete, you know, but living that life. I've seen it and I'm, unfortunately I've seen a lot of them commit suicide. Right. Because it's. I have I've had someone online recently with me saying I want to have a sex change and blah 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 this is a man. Mm. And I turned around and I said I don't give that advice out. You go and see your doctor. I said because today we have proper people yes. that know what they're doing. But it's not up to me to say to you I'll go ahead. Uh, uh, that's great advice. You know, the comments from Humphreys were off the back of some comments made by Jermaine Greer on BBC's Newsnight program. Oh, you want me to go down her track? Well, let's have a listen to a bit of uh, some edited highlights. I say highlights, but some edited sections of that interview. I'm not saying that people should not be allowed to go through that procedure. What I'm saying is it doesn't make them a woman. It happens to be an opinion. It's not uh, a prohibition. Carry on. If a man... Is, has his gender reassigned and outwardly, and he feels inwardly, is a woman. In your view, can he be a woman or not? No. Do you understand how people feel that's insulting? I don't care. Are you disappointed by her comments? No, because I know Jermaine. <laughs> so no surprise. No, she shouldn't have set me up years ago. Ah, well, we can go down that path right now if you like. Oh, really? <laughs> I promise to bleep names, Carlotta. Um, no, you wouldn't. I'll bleep names. No- of course I will. No, you wouldn't. I would not throw you under the bus. No, you wouldn't. I will completely bleep, bleep <laughs> yes, names. You will. Yes, you will if it sells a headline. No, no you, know, you know me better than that. I would. No, I... No. She set me up with a famous TV personality years ago and, you know, she was making a joke out of it. Jermaine has her views on it. I don't have my views on it. Mm. I do a song, a Seinheim song in my show, you know. I've even met Jermaine Greer. <laughs> I've even met Jermaine Greer. <laughs> Am I queer? <laughs> <laughs> but she did set you up with a very famous Australian newsman. Um, and it was meant to be a joke, but it didn't become a joke. No, it backfired joke. because he, he thought I was the best sort in Australia at the time. Yeah. And a relationship developed. It did, and a very fond relationship. And I will take that name, Timmy, to my grave. The... He... I've told personal friends, and if they bring it out, I'll sue them. Yeah. No, <laughs> no but no one would ever do that. Um, what I find interesting about that... I've never been a name dropper, you know, because mm. the reason is you get three minutes of fame, mm. and I know most journalists and that thrive on that, mm. but it doesn't do you any favours. I, but I completely agree with that. I know the name, but I would mm. never no. reveal that because I would that's never not do, your wish. It's not, it's not my wish, and it's just, it's just one of those things. Look... 
God almighty, the only people that I've ever known, I, I think the only person I've really named, and I've had some famous people, I sound like a bit of a whore, don't I? <laughs> you <laughs> were, let's be well, honest. Well, we're all party girls <laughs> in those body days. parts or you tried yeah, it out? Well, <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, you know, I had a fling with John Bonner from Led Zeppelin. And that's, you know, everyone, no, no one can, all my old mates know that. Yeah. You know, and I had Jimmy Page sing Merry Christmas. He probably doesn't even remember. It was probably <laughs> one of their drug states. Did you say he sang it on the edge of the bed Yeah, or on the end of the bed. He came into our bedroom and he at the hotel at the cross and he sang Happy Christmas. That's fabulous. I, I am interested. But I wish we had DVDs in those days. <laughs> That would be my, all my Christmas parties. <laughs> um, I am interested because um, this man was a household name, uh, a, a news journalist, and um, a relationship developed. He fell, in, he fell for an image. Well, what does that mean? I think he was one of those types that wanted to experiment. I don't think he's ever done it with anyone else, and I don't think he ever would. But it's interesting because he was with you before the sex change operation and after. Yes, but after was better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to be... didn't like the first part. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be a bit naughty because yesterday we had a lunch yes, with some I friends know. and you were asked, basically, was he a top or a bottom? <laughs> Can you please tell us what you said? <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> what did I say? Oh, Oh, well, I grabbed him by the ears. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Which gave us all a, a very visual image. Um, but, okay, so I, I, get, I get the idea that there's a drunken night and, and something happens, but it was obviously more than that because he was with you through the op. He went, how long did the relationship go for? Look, it was one of those flings on and off for about... A month, three months? I oh, know it would be about three months. But you've got to understand that um, it was, I think on his half, I think it was just a, he'd have been out and had a few celebrations and drinks and then I was Maybe his fa- once. I was his fantasy. That, I, I, that's the way I look at it. You ended it, didn't you? I most certainly did. Why? Because you felt you were being used? Uh not only used, here I go again, sucker. <laughs> um, <laughs> the carol came out and I thought, I don't want this exposed. Right. Were you looking out for him? I would say so, yes. I because it wouldn't have was. tarnished you in any way. In, in any, actually, it would have given you legitimacy. Well, and it would at have. At that time. And it would have ruined him at the time. Yeah. It would have ruined him at the time. Did he have any concerns? Obviously not, because he was drunk. And he and, and he was parading around with you through Oxford Street, wasn't he? Yeah, no. Or the Cross? Cross, yeah. Mm. Drunk. Yeah. He was drunk. He was a heavy drinker. Right. But I think there's a difference between being drunk one night and, and coming back again and again. There must have been some kind of love there. Was Listen, he? There were a lot of men like that in those days. So we right. were a fantasy. We were a fantasy. Right. It wasn't just me. It was other kids. We were a fantasy. This was their excuse of getting with a boy. Right. Was he the love of your life? No. Who was? Was that the marriage? No. 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 I. After all that happened was years later. I. I was about four or five years later. 
I met someone. I was with him for a long time. I gave show business up. Jeez. And then I was with him for nearly 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I, his brother's wife was having children and I could see the look on his face. And I picked, I was offered a tour. I took the tour. It was the hardest decision in my life. I still love him today. I will never love anyone else like that. And uh, he got remarried, had children, which I was thrilled with it. Apparently he's divorced now. Um, But I would never. That was a, a period. That was my little dream fantasy period that I went away through. Away from show business. So this away was... from show business, which I just loved every single minute of. Was this the guy in the movie you were depicted as having the marriage yes, ceremony yeah, with? Yeah, yeah, How oh, important was oh, that? I've got a cramp. <laughs> Ow! Are you okay? Oh, Are you just trying to get me to rub your leg? No! Get over it. <laughs> Listen, while you get to my age, you'll get cramps where you don't think you get cramps. <laughs> <laughs> Scarlett Johansson recently came under fire for not for accepting a role as a transgender man after a very vocal backlash. In the movie Run and Tug, Run and, Rub and Tug, she would have been playing a woman who identified as a man. Those against the casting say the role should have been played by a transgender actor. Considering you helped cast a woman to play you in a biopic, what do you make of this controversy? Controversy. I would have to ask the person that wrote it or who it's about. Is it about a real person? Yeah. Uh, who was a woman who uh, yeah, identified have to as ask a man. Their view. My view was at the time, Court in the Act was going to do it. Right. I would have loved to her have done it, but she wasn't my persona. Yes. If you know what I mean. Yep. And that's that's an important factor. It was an important factor. And I cop criticism for it too. But I turned around and I said, who looked like me at that period mm. who's going around today? I agree with your view. I, I, I find it interesting that... You know, the wrong thing about that movie was they picked wrong people in the background too. Those girls behind me in those days, were they were a fantasy. They were beautiful. Mm. They made... Elle McPherson look plain. Well, the footage I was just looking at from the Glittering Mile that you wouldn't look at showed there's a... No, but it even got better than that after that. Right, because I was going to say that... So hang on, are you You saying the movie wasn't glamorous enough? You do not see drag queens today with tits, feathers and arse. Huh. You do not see that today. It's gone into a circle. They're female impersonators today and they do a fabulous job. It's like the wonderful Prada who's doing the Priscilla yes, but show. Back, so what you're saying is back then these men were trying to be women. Yes. They're like cartoon characters today. But in those days they looked like – I used to remember men coming into that audience and, the, you know, the audience had furs on, rather Penfold, Penfold wines, all, all those social women used to come up to the late show because they couldn't believe it. It was a freak thing. They looked at it and they said they cannot be boys. And they used to say to me, where do you, they put it? Where and I'd say, they open your mouth and I'll show you. <laughs> um, long time ago in this interview, we heard a clip from Studio 10 where you talked about acceptance and you thanked Studio 10 for supporting you. Are you sad your time there has come to an end? Um, yeah, I am. 
I'm, uh, 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 well, it's two things. You know, I love Sarah. I love, it was like a tight knit family. Mm. You know what I mean? It was like, it was like the thing that I had with uh, Beauty and the Beast. Brian Walsh had a fabulous knack of picking the right people. And he was a bit like Talented you. Talented executive. He was a bit like you. He'd pull us up. You know, Charlotte Dawson and um, um, Belinda Green, we were called the awesome threesome because, you know, we were always bucking <laughs> up, you know. And, and Brian used to say to us, don't you three go out tonight. You've got, you got four tapings tomorrow or something, you know. And, you know, I'm always appreciative of Brian Walsh because he did what you did. He gave me that honour and I had the happiest time. But it was a great group of people. Ida was there. I worked with Lisa Wilkerson. It was like it it was a tight knit thing which we had at Channel Ten. Mm. But when it all split up, I didn't enjoy it anymore. And not only that, I, you know, I was really treated a bit unfairly. Were you? I think so in the end, you know, I just think they tossed me around, you know, we'll use her there or use her there and blah blah and I felt a bit rejected. So I did the right thing, I just quit. Is that I offered to quit and they wouldn't let me. Yeah. Is that because of your association to me? Uh, probably. Although they would never admit it. Of course. But I have heard a rumour. But as I said, you take the author out of the book, what do you got to sell? <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't know how to respond to that. I'll never get I'll never get to work at Channel Ten now when they, when they hear this. But it's good <laughs> because they've been still stuffing me around to come back at the moment. Well, I was about to say, Other I've heard rumours yeah. that they're trying to get you back. Yeah, well, I ain't going back. It's a shame because I think you added a lot to that show. Um, why? Why didn't they personally ring me up on the phone and say why? Why didn't they personally ring me up on the phone and talk to me? Why do they have to do it through other people? I, I, I obviously can't answer I that. I don't do business like that. I know. And I've paid my dues. I've been in this business 55 years this year. That's amazing. And, you know, I don't stamp on anyone. But, you know, they, they've got a big lesson to learn. They've got to stop stamping on people <sighs> who are loyal. Anyway, best I don't say anything about that. But one of the things I loved about having you on Studio 10 was I actually never knew what you were going to say on a topic. I, I had this big belief that the conversation should take place naturally on the set. And and I know the circle and shows like it always ha- plan what who's going to say what. You'll take this view, you'll take that view. But I, I like the surprise of not knowing where it was going to go and we had some amazing conversations on that show. But what I found with you was you could be a controversial for sure, but you're also a bit conservative in your views. And I was surprised by that, considering you've been this trailblazer for gay rights. Only because I was a bit scared of how far I could go. Because no one sat me down, not even you, and said how but far I could go. That was the point. Go. And you would always say, oh, he's going to censor this. I was never going to censor anything. I no. wanted a good conversation. Well, I didn't know. And I was there. And, and I, you know, I was... I, I, or I, I'd get in your ear if there was a problem. I got frightened. I yeah, got... But, 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 but that's not even my point. Your views in, on some topics were... Well, um, I speak the norm. But they were conservative, and I think I found that surprising. You know, some of your attitudes towards certain topics were very right-wing in a I way. I wasn't in that show to get fame. I can tell you that now. No, no, but that's And people what... come up to me on the street, and when I was doing that show, they would say to me, 
and I, that's no crap. They would say to me, you know what we love about you, Carlotta? You say how we think. And that was true. And that was one of the biggest ways you connected with the audience. And I, I always got And I that. don't know who runs these stations or anything like that. They've got to, it's like politicians. They've got to get out into the public and think what they're thinking. And most of the way my answers on that show was the way they were thinking. I agree. Couldn't agree more. And that's the only way I can answer that. And obviously they didn't like, oh, look, at the, the bottom line is it's business. They obviously didn't think I was good enough. But they obviously but they do were... because they want you back. Oh, well, that, that's only been through other people. So, you know, they have never said that to me themselves. That's what I'm saying. Right. So, and I thought about it last night, actually. And I, I, if they asked me, I, I don't think I would go back. Oh, only on my terms. Yeah, I find that a shame because I, I like your voice being on television and I like... I only like on my terms. Point. Only on my terms, I would Of wouldn't. course. So when are you opening a new show, TV show, darling? <laughs> we open a new TV show. I channel? promise you that if I ever go back to television, I'm a little <laughs> scarred, to be honest, and uh, I'm not sure. I, I actually have a great job at the moment, which I am loving, that allows me to do extra things like podcasts, which I'm loving the creating freedom of. But... Uh, it will be tentative steps if I go back to television. I, I'm a little bit, um, I, I'm a little bit battered and bruised. It's a cutthroat business, darling. It all boils down to the dollar. They don't care who they stomp on. No, but I was making them a lot of money more than they're making. Well, now. well, that's that's my view because I've been stomped on all my life, so I know. Is that why you haven't? Money's still an issue, isn't it? From the point of view that you didn't make the money you should have. No, and probably through my own stupidity. What, what do you mean by um, that? Because I enjoyed what I'm doing. A lot of people don't enjoy what they're doing. Ah, they just that's do it. a really interesting they, point. They do it for the fame. Yeah. I couldn't give a shit about the fame. <laughs> no, but the fame comes if you're actually I do it. it. I do it if I can help people. Yeah. But creativity comes from a place of enthusiasm and... It's creativity isn't about money. The thing about creativity is money comes when you are creative. Yeah, of course. I mean, these shows rely on co- on commercials. Mm. I'm not that. You know, I've been around a long time. Been around since black and white TV. I know how it works. But unfortunately, it's become to me, and I'm only an outsider. Believe you me, I'm not a Kerry Ann Kenley or you know one of those. You know, I I, I just. Don't undervalue yourself. No, but I've been guests and this and that and that, but I've never been taught the craft of television. I've just picked up to it. And one of the most wonderful people in my life in television who gave me the... I would never expect anyone to go out like he went out was Bert Newton. Like when Mm. I went to Melbourne, he made sure I was on my show, on his show... And he'd be supporting my wherever I was working in the clubs. Yes. And I've ever, ever for grateful for him today. Did you think he deserved the criticism he no, got No, I don't think he deserved the criticism today because we've become too walking on eggshells. Mm. Australians, have, we, have, we had the best sense of humour. We knew how to laugh at ourselves. Yep. And, you know, where this sensitivity has come from, blow it out your ass because I don't like it. <laughs> Well, I, we have lost our sense of humour. You know, like, those are jokes Bert would make ten, five years ago. And, and, look, I get I get that there is a conversation that needs to happen, but 
his jokes were, it's whether you're reading too much into them. That's right. If there's consensual sex happening behind a dressing room, is that, does that mean you can't make a joke about it? That's exactly right. It's a strange world. Now, let's let's end on a high. Yeah. So, if there was something you wanted people that don't know you to know about, what is that? What they don't know about me. Um, oh, that's a hard one because, you know, I, as I always used to say, if he's up there... Mm. I've I've had a beautiful life. I don't want it to finish yet. I've had a beautiful, and I, all I'll do to him wherever he, if you believe in all that, by him you mean thing, God. God, I will say thank you for that beautiful life wherever you send me. I couldn't give a shit because I had a ball. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I said finally, but I lied. <laughs> You've had a few champagnes now, so I go back to an earlier question. Oh, here we go. Tell me a story that you would tell over a few drinks with mates, something that's happened from your career that's a great story, one that always gets a laugh. I think the, I think the funniest story was I was given a job to comb up Shirley Bassey Wiggs years ago. <laughs> really? And she used to stay at a place called Glen Ashram over in at Point Piper. And... She had a great sex life, and I, did she really? Yes. And I knew, I knew, I knew. I, I no, no, no. I, I, um, I used to laugh because she'd have after parties after the show. Out of this Glen Ashen was a private hotel, like mm. they should hire the whole thing out. And uh, uh, she came down one night. And I, I never ever forgot it. She she said to me, she said, I got told you were a bloke. <laughs> and she said, have you really got balls? I said, no, I wear them as earrings. <laughs> Carol, thank you for being on McKnight tonight. Good to see you, love. Miss you. Fun, insightful interviews from a Washington producer with nothing to lose. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.